I think because I made so many mistakes and I failed so much when I was, you know, 18, 19, 20, when I restarted at 24, it was easier, you know, and, and we'll talk about it. You know, like you just mentioned, yeah. but you know, I was 18, 19 years old, making six figures. Um, I was abusing Oxycontin. I bought a Range Rover, I bought a house, you know, I was just living a knucklehead life. Um, so when I finally got clean, I ended up going from driving a 2008 Range Rover. And this was, you know, 09, 2010 to driving a, I think it was a 98 Honda Accord. Um, so I, I hit some low points. So when I went from 24 years old, making six figures, selling coaching to, okay, now I'm making 40, $50,000 a year in my new job. I was okay with that because I already failed so many times and I just knew what it was like to restart. And, and that's hard for people. And it was still hard for me because when you go from having something that you're used to, you're accustomed to a lifestyle, and then it changes, like it messes with your head. Not only does it mess with your bank account, because you're like, okay, that sucks. But like, just mentally, you just feel different. You, you feel inferior. You're like, man, like, it's almost like you went to the gym and you gained a lot of muscle and you gained a lot of weight, uh, good weight. And then you don't go to the gym for a while. And then you go back to the gym and like, you can barely lift the weight. You're like, dude, I got weak. So I, I felt, I felt weak, but I just knew I was in it for the long game. So I was okay taking that step back, you know, and, and, and being able to know that it's all about the future. This is episode number 234 with Daniel Blue. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the American Sippets Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. Once again, my name is Dave Brown. Look, if you're new to the show, I want to tell you straight up, this is a patriotic podcast. This is a podcast that believes in America, believes in the core values and principles that this country is founded upon, believes in the Constitution, believes in the American dream. And we bring people on the show who embody those things, people who are living the American dream, people who are living life at such a high level based on the opportunities and the freedoms that we have here in this country. And we bring them on to the show to prove to you what's possible. We are the counterpoint to what you constantly see in the mainstream media today. There's so much divisiveness in this country right now. We are conservative, but we're doing our part to showcase what we feel is the best of America. So if you're into that, then you're going to be into this podcast. I encourage you to subscribe, leave us a five-star review, share this podcast with a friend and let people know what we are doing here. Look, people right now are feeling really overwhelmed. It's pretty common these days with COVID-19 and everything that we've been dealing with over the last 18 months. Basically, the entire world is facing crises of enormous magnitude right now, and Americans are actually struggling to hold on to their belief in the American dream as divisiveness and government overreach cancel things, hurt relationships, close businesses across the country. So how can we adapt to these changing times and build or grow a business or take advantage of the opportunities that still exist in America today? How can we get out from underneath the feeling of being so overwhelmed that we don't see a way forward? Well, today's guest has those answers for you based on his own hard-learned lessons in life. He was just 19 years old when he became a father. And at the same time, he was fighting a very serious addiction. He'd been enjoying financial success that came to a crashing halt, and he had to decide how to overcome what felt like insurmountable obstacles in his life. But Daniel Blue committed to his rebound, and today he is the founder of a company that helps clients across the country tap into the key to financial freedom that many people don't even know that they hold. So listen into this episode with Barb Allen and Daniel Blue as they talk about everything from overcoming addiction to current events and the path forward to financial freedom. You're listening to the American Snippets podcast. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. I'm your co-host, Barb Allen. Look, you know that... I'll a lot more and more and more lately, we have been sort of drawn into talking about with a more emphasis, I'll say, on the American dream and all of the possibilities that still exist in this country, that continue to exist in this country. 
And not only do we bring you guests that exemplify the possibilities of building your own American dream and crafting that, but who also have a special and unique appreciation for the opportunities we have in this country, whatever side of the fence they fall on in terms of personal belief. One thing everyone that we speak with and connect to agrees on is that we can do and build and become anything we want in this country. And then they back it up with their life stories and their professional and personal success and their uh, their, their lessons of success, their lessons from failure, and they blend it all together to create these most powerful, powerful um, lessons for all of us. And today, I'm really excited to be sitting down with another such guest who was a little bit of a surprise guest for me. That's a whole other story that maybe I'll share with you one day, but when you get behind the scenes footage of American snippets. But for today, we are going to sit down and introduce you to Daniel Blue, we're going to talk about his company, Quest, uh, Quest Education, and why it is so important, what it does for entrepreneurs, how it can help you. But we're also going to get, going to get into Daniel's personal story, his American dream, how he built that, and his personal beliefs, which I have not actually had an opportunity to directly dig into with Daniel. So whatever is uncovered here on this episode is going to be new to me as well as you. Let's do it. Daniel, thank you for rolling with these unusual little bumps and hiccups today and sitting down with us. Hey, Barb, thank you so much for having me. At, uh, I love what you guys are doing and, uh, you know, the theme of the show. So I'm, I'm very honored to be here. Yeah, thank you. Let's talk first. We'll, we'll get into what you do because it is important. And I know a lot of people um, want to get into, okay, how, how can I learn from this guest? Like, you know, a lot of people are trying to start their start their business and are bumping up into this brick wall called funding and don't know how to go ahead and get their funding or how to dig out from whatever debt they're in or how to maximize the debt they have. So let's get into a little bit of that first, and then we're going to backtrack and go through your own path to how you got to where you are. All right. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the main, the, uh, solution that we provide in the marketplace is helping people access money in their retirement accounts, penalty and tax-free. If you look at, you know, if you take a, a survey of, of people walking up and down the street and you ask them, Hey, what do you think about your retirement account? What do you think about a 401k? Most Americans are like, they suck. They're, they're terrible. Um, and, and we're conditioned to think that way because we go to a job, we work nine to five, usually for a job we don't like, we put money in a retirement account and then we don't expect to ever touch that money until we're old and we can't access that money. It's tied up. So of course it's not going to excite you, right? Like you're saving your own money only to never be able to touch it. And if you do touch it, you pay a bunch of money in penalties and taxes to the government. Like no wonder why people feel that way. Right. So that's how we've been conditioned to think. And that's why I really love our mission in the sense of helping Americans have more freedom with their money. Right. I know your show is all about freedom and, uh, you know, leaning on the conservative side. I think we all can agree, no matter what affiliation that you 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 have uh, in the political side, if you're an entrepreneur, you want control. Right. You want to be able to have the ability to be captain of your own ship, especially with your money. And if you can access your own IRA, your own 401k penalty and tax free, and then you could use that money to maybe fund your business, pay off high interest rate credit card debt, maybe invest into real estate. Um, a lot of options are now on the table. And uh, this is something that's been around for decades in, this, in the strategies that we teach people, they're IRS approved. It's just Wall Street does not want people to know about these strategies. And that's why companies like us exist. So how do you get the word out to people? Personal branding, right? Marketing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, the name that comes to my mind are, you know, people like Ed Milet, Andy Priscilla, um, Grant Cardone, you know, Ryan Stuman. you know, they're, they're great at getting attention. Um, you have to get attention. You have to be able to get, you know, what, uh, what you are there to serve people with in front of people. And uh, unfortunately, retirement accounts and money is a boring topic. It's not super sexy. Um, however, saving money and having more money in your pocket and having more freedom is, is something that is appealing. Um, so we're, we're here to just be able to, you know, pull back the curtain and uh, help people see what is possible. And that could be done via phone calls. That could be done via podcast. That could be done via, you know, me going to an event. Um, I have my own podcast. So, you know, personal branding is super huge, whether you're an existing entrepreneur or you are thinking about starting a business, you, you do have to be active on all the different channels, right? You know, YouTube, social media, podcasting, you gotta be comfortable speaking in front of people. You've got to have a solid marketing plan. And, uh, you know, there, there's a, a, a science to it all. Yeah. And, you know, maybe if um, maybe if people could kind of reframe it a little when you say, 
you know, it's not sexy to talk about retirement funds and all that. I mean, yeah, most people just sort of like put their heads down and go to sleep if you're like ages away from getting that. But I think that is just a knee jerk reaction because it's so stressful and so frustrating. We don't want to think about it. Right. So that's so annoying to think about. I'm so annoyed that my money is tied up. I'm so annoyed that I'd have to pay these fines. I don't even want to think about it because it's just going to piss me off. So I'm just going to like shut down. Right. But if you look at it as look, the solution to your, your current problem, to your challenge, to the, the path through the obstacle that you're trying to overcome is literally within you right now. Like you actually have the key to unlock that door. Here's somebody who's going to show you how to use that key. I think that's a little maybe different, you know, instead of people thinking about it as something, some far off thing, or it just pisses you off and you feel helpless to overcome it. But if I think if people, like you said, knew that the, that they have this power and this ability to tap into their own resources right now and solve this problem and advance their steps and put their money to work for them, I think that's actually kind of cool. And if people can just get past that first initial automatic sort of response to it's so stressful. It's so annoying. I don't understand it. It's overwhelming. I'm not a money person. I don't get it. I'm just told, you know, isn't it interesting how we're conditioned to do things, go to school, go to college, get this job, put your money here, forget about it. That's not your money. It's like, you're told that message over and over and over again. And you're in the position of having to wend through all these years of what people have been taught, at least people in my generation, right? Maybe people coming up now and the newer generations understand that better. Are you finding a difference in, yeah, uh, I mean, in age and, and how people approach that? Yeah, I, I would, I will say one thing that's, it's enlightening is, you know, people listening to this podcast, watching this show right now, they're not average people, right? If right. they were average people, they'd be watching Netflix, right? So I do think with technology advancing, um, there's just so much education out there, right? I mean, you have so many different resources in, in front of you. So um, I think for the people that actually want to get better and, and level up, financially, for example, entrepreneurship, um, there's just so much at their disposal and it does feel really good being able to make a difference in people's lives and and ultimately change the trajectory of their future. Like one of our customers here in town, here in Las Vegas, uh, she worked a nine to five job for a number of years, hated it, wanted to start her own business, work from home, retire early. Um, She needed money to start her online business. She had money in a retirement account, went to her financial advisor, said, hey, I need to take $20,000 out to invest in my business. Um, She was told you can, but you're going to pay 30% penalties and taxes. So now she's discouraged, deflated. Um, Luckily, we've talked to her and we're like, hey, we can show you how to take that $20,000 out penalty and tax free. We showed her how to do that. She used that 20,000, started her online business. and, And now she has the ability to work from home and is retired, is not working her day job anymore. So, you know, stuff like that really, really resonates well with us and, and makes, you know, my staff feel really good about making a difference in people's lives. And like you said earlier, they have the keys to open up this door. It's just a matter of taking the time to make a commitment to see what else is out there other than just keep the head down and, you know, listen to what society tells us. Yeah. And it can be hard to do that when we're just bombarded with so much. Now. I think everybody's just fatigued from having to make decisions. And if it's one more thing, you don't have to think about when you're, you have so much in front of you right this minute, that that is something you'd have to clear everything else out in front of you to really set the time. People just don't want to do it. But if you're listening to this and you're on the fence thinking about looking into this or not looking into this, maybe hearing from somebody like me who did not know about any of this and paid through the wazoo massive penalties to access funds that were mine um, and live with that deep, deep, deep regret right now. (laughs) So you do not want to do what I did. Trust me. It was just willy-nilly, ill-advised, unadvised. And um, yeah, it cost me, literally cost me a ton of money that I just will never see again, like from that specific, you know, avenue that I didn't have to let go of. And I'm just going to encourage you. You really don't want to feel that pain. You really don't want to look back and say, oh, why did I do that? You know, on the list of regrets, at least you should make your regrets fun, right? And that was not a fun regret. <laughs> That's not one. Yeah, see, seeing your money, <laughs> we pay enough taxes. We pay a lot of taxes oh, already. So yeah. to see that that big chunk of money go to the IRS. It yeah, hurts. I, I, it hurts, man. It hurts. There are some mistakes, right? That you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Maybe I'll make that one yeah. again, right? Yeah. Um, but no, that one, um, no, don't do it, people. Don't do it. So what got you into this field that you say, I mean, you say it's not sexy, it's not exciting and all this. So what makes it appealing to you? What what drew you to this? 
So I was in sales. I got started in sales at a young career, at a young age in my career, 18 years old. I was selling real estate coaching for a number of years. And on the phone, talking to a lot of real estate investors, I would hear them talk about they use their retirement accounts to flip a house. They use their IRA to buy a property and they rented it out. And, and that sounded so foreign to me because I thought, okay, I thought retirement accounts could only purchase stocks. Like I've always been fascinated with like stocks and, and investments. Like I remember I was in fourth grade and one of our assignments in, in fourth grade, our teacher made us take a newspaper and we actually had to pick and choose a stock to follow for a month. And I remember picking Nike. So I got to learn like a share price and like, you know, going up and down. And uh, so that stuck with me. And uh, so I was just like, what? You could use your retirement account to invest in real estate? I, I didn't know you could do that. So that's what exposed me to the self-directed retirement account world. Um, and I got burnt out in the sales world in the sense of selling real estate coaching. Um, I pivoted industries when I was about 24 years old and uh, essentially restarted my career. Um, you know, when you change industries, you have to start from the bottom. Um, so I started from the bottom, uh, you know, I was 24 years old, I'm 32 right now. Um, and then I, I rose up the ranks. So I was able to connect with the right people. Um, and then three years ago, I started Quest Education where we have customers in, in all 50 states and uh, we, we help people have a lot more control over their retirement accounts. All right. You just said a couple of things there that I like to take notes through these interviews. So I don't forget to go back to, um, you know, certain topic points later on as we, as we unfold this process here, but let's see, let's go with one question first. And then I'm going to backtrack again. You just said something that is really, really important and can be a, it can be the reason a wall people hit that uh, will just stop them right away. So I'd like to touch on that. You just noted that when you change industries, you have to start from the bottom. And I know, again, from my own personal uh, path and so that it can feel like, God, I've been at this forever. Why am I not further along? But then you stop and look at it. You're like, well, you've only been at this particular thing for this amount of time. So maybe you've been in this different battles or fighting these different challenges and overcoming this and achieving all that. But that none of that matters when you start something new. You're starting from scratch. And that can be a really hard truth to accept, right? Did you, did you struggle with that at all? Or were you just instantly like aware, like, all right, well, you know, none of this matters. doesn't matter that I've gone through all this. And we're going to go back to the years before that, all these things you had overcome. Did you then start this new career path with that full awareness that, Hey, it's day one here. I know this is going to take time and, and I'm down for that. Or were you anxious to see results immediately? I think because I made so many mistakes and I failed so much when I was, you know, 18, 19, 20, when I restarted at 24, it was easier, you know, and, and we'll talk about it. You know, like you just mentioned, yeah. but you know, I was 18, 19 years old, making six figures. Um, I was abusing Oxycontin. I bought a Range Rover, I bought a house, you know, I was just living a knucklehead life. Um, so when I finally got clean, I ended up going from driving a 2008 Range Rover, and this was, you know, 09, 2010, to driving a, I think it was a 98 Honda Accord. Um, so I, I hit some low points. So when I went from 24 years old, making six figures, selling coaching to, okay, now I'm making $40,000, $50,000 a year in my new job. I was okay with that because I already failed so many times and I just knew what it was like to restart. And, and that's hard for people. And it was still hard for me because when you go from having something that you're used to, you're accustomed to a lifestyle, and then it changes, like it messes with your head. Not only does it mess with your bank account, because you're like, okay, that sucks. But like, just mentally, you just feel different. You, you feel inferior. You're like, man, like, it's almost like you went to the gym and you gained a lot of muscle and you gained a lot of weight, uh, good weight. And then you don't go to the gym for a while. And then you go back to the gym and like, you can barely lift the weight. You're like, dude, I got weak. So I, I felt, I felt weak, but I just knew I was in it for the long game. So I was okay taking that step back, you know, and, and, and being able to know that it's all about the future. Yeah. So let's get into it then those years, um, between say 18 and 24, you went through a lot of things that set you up to come out, I guess, with a lot of different lessons that you can apply to the rest of your life. You want to talk about that time in your world? 
Yeah. So uh, at 18 years old, I, I just graduated high school. Uh, I graduated high school in a uh, pretty conservative city, uh, St. George, Utah. Uh, shout out to St. George, Utah. It's real close to Zion National Park. If you guys have never been to Zion National Park, you're missing something. Um, but I grew up in Oceanside, California, and uh, my parents got divorced when I was 12. And, and that really was hard for me to accept. My dad ended up moving to Mexico. Now it's just my mom and I. She's working full time. I don't have a lot of supervision. Um, I am just making bad decisions in middle school and high school. I'm doing drugs and just ditching school. So it got to the point where my mom was like, hey, I want you to graduate high school. Like I'm going to ship you to a different state. Um, and, and there's a family that I know in St. George, Utah that I'm going to send you to. Uh, and, and shout out to the Severs. The Severs is a family in San George, Utah that took me in. I stayed with them my senior year and I was able to graduate high school in, in San George, Utah. Uh, society told me that I needed to go to college and, and I'm still lost at this point. I really haven't found myself yet, even though I did graduate high school, which was a big accomplish, accomplishment for me at that time. Um, so I ended up uh, going to college, dropped out of college three months into it. I stumbled into sales and, and this is where networking comes into play, right? We all hear that cliche. It's, it's not what you know, it's, it's who you know. And, and I'm a testament of that. Um, you know, I own a company with 14 employees and we have customers in all 50 states and I'm a college dropout and overcame drugs. Um, it's not so much what I know. Yes, I have knowledge, but I'm very blessed to have an amazing network. Um, so I got into sales at 18 and uh, started making really good money. And because I didn't have core values at that time, I didn't have standards. I was still lost. I didn't know who I was. Um, it was easy for me to try to fit in with the crowd. And uh, the crowd at that time was making a lot of money. They were doing a lot of drugs. And then I got introduced to Oxycontin. And uh, that immediately just hooked me. Um, it's a very expensive drug. Um, and I was doing a lot of those, those pills every single day for two years straight. And um, ended up uh, having a... Having a conversation with a, a woman I was dating at that time, I'm 18 years old, and she's like, hey, I'm pregnant. And I still remember what it was like when she told me that day, um, we were walking and she told me, and I just remember sitting down on the curb. I think we've all had this moment, maybe when you're a kid, like you sit down on the curb and you just put your head over your arm and your arm is like resting on your knee. And I just remember, I was just like in shock. I was just like, man, I'm a kid. Like, I'm not ready to have a kid. And, uh, God was just like, hey, you are a screw up and you are a knucklehead and I'm going to give you a daughter and this is going to be your only hope to get clean. And, uh, you know, that's when my daughter Isabella was born in 2009. Uh, I was 19 years old at that time. And, and that definitely was a catalyst to, you know, help me become clean and, and be where I am today as, as, a, as a father and a human being. Yeah. So. I mean, it's easy to say that in the context, but I know that, that there had to be a lot of steps involved. So for people, and you don't have to get into all those steps, right? But I know there's gonna be somebody, at least one person listening now who's like, okay, I relate to that. I'm in this, I am in this situation now where my life, or, or there's gonna be people sitting there who are actually have their head in their hands. Now they're at that moment in their life and they're looking for some concrete actionable steps that they can take. Like, yeah, that's all great, Daniel. I, I love that you you know got your mindset together and got yourself together and got did it. But what's something I can do today? What is something that you would say to people who are having that moment right now today or living in that time period, that space where they're they're feeling that moment of, oh boy, this is it. I have to figure out how to get myself together. I need to make some drastic change right now. But they have no idea how to do it. It's one thing to say, change your mindset, commit to this, commit to that. But what are some things they can do to actually start implementing those mindset changes and figuring out what they are? So one thing, and just being super uh, transparent with, with everyone here is like right now, who do you resent? Like the grudge that you have right now, like who are you still mad at in your life? Right? Like who have you not forgiven? Only, you know, that maybe a few other people do, but like, you know, that. And the reason I bring this up is when I had my daughter and I held my daughter at 19, I was like, man, like, this is my kid. Like, this is my blood. And at that moment, I was able to forgive my dad because when my dad left, because we're all messed up, right? Like no one's perfect. And most of the reason why we're all messed up is because of our childhood for the most part, right? Like there's just so many uh, programming and things that become ingrained in us, right? So 
I'm no different, right? When my dad left at 12 years old and moved to Mexico, I had no idea why he moved. I was really close with him and he just left and I didn't have closure. So of course I'm 13, 14, 15, just super pissed, right? And I didn't forgive him. But when I had my daughter, I was just like, man, like this is my my kid. And my dad could say the same thing about me. Like, you know what? It's not a big deal. Like I, I forgive you, you know? And, and that was really important for me because now I was able to move forward and not have so much baggage, right? It's like trying to run when you have like, you know, your kid is holding onto your leg and you're trying to walk and you're, you're dragging him across the floor. Like it's hard to move around when you have weight holding you back. Right. So I encourage people, the people that have hurt you, that have betrayed you, that, that you haven't forgiven, like you're only hurting yourself if you hold that in, right. The world keeps spinning and there's a lot of, of greatness in front of you, right? Like God made us for a reason. Like it's a miracle that we're even here and, and we are who we are, right? So many things had to happen, right? Like our parents had to get together. Like there's just, we can go on and on. So I would start there first. Like that, that's really what helped me when I was 19, 20 years old. Um, and then I was able to face my demons. Like, okay, why am I making these decisions? Like there has to be a switch that turns on where it's just like, okay, stop being a victim, right? Like stop thinking that everything is happening and it's happening to me, right? Like Tony Robbins, uh, Ed Milet always have that saying, like things happen for you, right? Like there's lessons. There's a reason I had a kid at 19. So listening to this, I'm sure there's an event in, in your life that happened where it, it's something that you can look back at and be like, man, I'm glad that happened, but just forgive the people that you have not forgiven and, and, and start moving on with your life. That's, um, really strong stuff right there. That is a big key. I'll straight up admit there's like a handful of people here in my life. I feel like I'm moving forward fine, but in terms of like actually forgiving them, oh, I'm probably a few years away from forgiving two or three people, um, you know, who I've come across in, in my world. But, uh, I don't know should that day ever happen, I will get back to you and let you know how amazing it feels, but I'm moving forward without them. Right. For me, I had to compartmentalize. I'm like, I don't, I don't waste time thinking about them, but if their name comes up or a conversation like this comes up and I have, and I'm thinking as you're talking, I'm like, yeah, nope, nope. Still not. <laughs> I still do not give you my blessing. Like you are not okay with me, but then I move on. Like the difference for me is I don't give them that I don't waste my time, but I know probably there's some part of me, but I had, this is a phrase that I hear over and over and over from a lot of people who are like, you got it. You have to just forgive everyone. So I'll, that's in the spirit of transparency. I'm working on that too. So I don't want anybody here listening to like, think, oh no, 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 I can't ever forgive this person. Well, just cause you haven't today doesn't mean you won't at some point, yeah. right? It, it doesn't you mean you have to close the door on it. You can always forgive, but not forget. Right. Right. Yes. Like, it doesn't mean that you forget about it. Right. right. It still happened. It's there. It's a lesson. Uh, I think the key thing that you said, it's, it's not dead weight, right? Like yeah, it, no. if it's dead weight, even if it's just a little bit, it's just making it that much harder in your journey. And our journeys are already hard enough as it is, right? We get so much noise thrown at us. You know, the, the universe is testing us. Like it's already hard enough as it is. Why make it harder? Yeah. I, I totally agree. So I'm just straight up being honest with you here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's great <laughs> advice uh, and some advice that I'm trying very hard to take myself. All right. Look, you, you talked about the fact that you got, you, you were in the position where you were addicted to drugs. Let's get into that for a second. Not in all the, like in the hard stuff and the you know dramatic side, unless there's stories you want to share about that. But what are some things that somebody can do to help somebody they love or care about who is battling addiction. One of the strongest things, and you know, I was in this position where I was in a relationship with somebody who was addicted. Um, they may be on my list, but uh, there was nothing I could do to help that. You know, I was convinced that I could save this person, that I could help this person, that I could free them from their addiction and everything would be wonderful. And all I went to meetings and I tried this and I tried that. And it got to a point where I just felt like there was literally nothing I could do to help this person overcome the addiction that was destroying them and you know, by ripple effect, destroying me as well. So I made the decision to cut loose from that person. But there are some days like every now and then you wonder, like, could you have done something differently? Could you have done something that, not out of regret for that, but just feeling like you could have been a better person to help that person who's struggling, you know, with addiction. But if there is anything 
that somebody could do to help somebody who is battling an addiction. And, and I think the key differentiator here is that person wants to overcome that addiction. Um, that person wants to overcome and is making an effort. What can somebody do to help them? As you're asking me this question, I'm, I'm thinking about a, a good friend of mine. Um, we actually used to do drugs together. Um, I happened to get cleaner uh, much sooner. I was addicted from 18 to 20 years old. Uh, I got clean when I was 20. I'm 32 years old now. So I've been clean for, for 12 years now. Um, but this, this, this person still kept using when I was done and I still hung out with them occasionally. And, uh, I think the first thing that you can do is just be really transparent with that person. Like you can't come across like you're this holy angel, perfect person. And, and you're lecturing, the person that's messing up, right? As soon as the addict feels that way, like they're going to stop hanging out with you. Like their wall goes up. And if you truly want to help this person, and if you don't, like that's on you, like you're not a bad person, right? But like, if this is a family member or a friend, um, like for me, how I was able to help him is I still found a common ground to do something with him. And that was go to the gym, even though he was getting high, we would go to the gym, you know, and I would listen to him. I would share my struggles and what worked for me and what didn't work for me. And I was just an example to him. And consistently we did that for a long time. And, uh, eventually he got clean when he wanted to, that's the key word that you mentioned earlier. Like you can't force someone to do something that they don't want, right? Like they have to truly want it. They know they need to, but they got to want to, right? And, uh, after doing that enough for a period of time, he got to a point where something happened in his life because there has to be a trigger to get someone to get clean. Um, for me to get clean, it was having my daughter be six months old at my house while my family was making Thanksgiving dinner and it was Thanksgiving day. And I was trying to get high. I was going around all of St. George, calling all the drug dealers, trying to get pills on Thanksgiving and no one would pick up the phone. Imagine that drug dealers having dinner with their family and Oxycontin gives you withdrawals, right? Like you start to get sweats, you start to throw up. It's, it's pretty much heroin. And I remember just sitting in my car and I'm just like, man, like I am a deadbeat dad. Like Bella's six months old. She doesn't even know her dad's a deadbeat. I can't keep this charade up. Like she's going to get older. And like, is this the example I want to set to her? Like, no. And the next day I started putting a plan into action to leave St. George. And I moved St. moved from St. George to Las Vegas to get clean. And when I tell people that I moved to Las Vegas, AKA Sin City to get clean, <laughs> they laugh at me, but, but it's yeah. true. Since I've been here, I've, I've been clean. Um, so back, back to my friend, he had a certain moment like I did, where there was a trigger for him to get clean. And uh, eventually he got clean and, you know, there's times where he's just like, man, thank you so much for, for helping me. And, uh, you know, that, that, that feels really good to see someone like that overcome the struggle. So if you have a friend, a family member, um, you know, someone that you love and care about that, that is battling alcohol addiction, drugs, whatever the addiction is, people are addicted to all different types of things, you know, re really just uh, communicating with them and, and making sure that they know that, you know, you mess up too. Um, but at the end of the day, like, here's how you fixed your mess ups and you love them and you want to see what's best for them and find a common ground to do something with them. And for me, it was going to the gym and, and that was something that was helpful. I love that. I love that. And what you just said there, I think I know actually can be transferred over, just like you mentioned, to other situations besides alcohol or drugs. It could be transferred over. You sound a lot like one of my good friends when I was in this period of my life where I had that moment. I was literally on my driveway sobbing, my, like things I got in, like well below rock bottom. I'd punched through that layer two years ago, you know, and I was there. And I finally had this friend who I had been coming to for my whole life, really. And she looked at me or she said to me, she's like, Barb, you know what? I love you, but I can't, so you have to stop calling me until you're ready to change and, and get out of the situation you're in. She's like, I can't help you stay anymore. But the minute you decide that you're ready to leave and put things back together, I'm, I'm your first call and I'll be there, but I can't see you do this anymore. And I can't help you do this anymore because you're killing me, you know, and it was words to that effect. And so that was that moment but you sound a lot like that friend. Like it just takes that one person to not give up on you and to give you the loving, cold, hard truth. I think that you, that you need to hear. Right. And it has to yeah. come from somebody that you respect and you know, has your 
best interests at heart, I think. Yeah. And, and, and I like how you use the word cold, hard truth. Like you can't enable them, right? right. Like that's, what's going to prolong it. And sometimes you do have to stand your ground and draw the line in the sand. And if they're going to cross it, which is then going to make you an enabler, then, then you're, you're making a bad choice. You know, you got to stand your ground and uh, you know, if that person isn't in your life for a period of time, because you're choosing not to enable them, then that's just the way it needs to shake out. Right. And that's another hard, man, we could, we could do a whole entire show on this, like basically everything you're saying, but I don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole because uh, there's so much else to talk about. Let's talk about, you can pop on uh, your Instagram and see that you are somebody who really has a deep appreciation for this country and the opportunities that are offered in here. And your family uh, was not necessarily first generation Americans, correct? Yeah. Yeah. My, my dad actually, uh, you know, immigrated here, um, when he was uh, a teenager, um, and, uh, moved from Mexico. And, uh, what was interesting too, about my story is when my dad, uh, legally immigrated to the United States, um, my dad actually started his own business. Um, and he was in the paralegal world. Um, and I remember going to his office a lot of the times and seeing, um, a lot of other Mexicans in his office and he did immigration for a period of time too, you know, helping, um, you know, immigrants, uh, get their papers and, and come over to the country. Um, so, I mean, like to me, that that's a classic story of like why people come to America, right? Like my dad came here because he was sold on this dream that America has all of this freedom. Um, so that, that's my dad. And then, uh, you know, my, my mom was born here, but you know, her mom came from Mexico, her dad came from Ireland. So that's my grandpa, my grandma, my, my wife, um, you know, her mom came from the Philippines, you know, so it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing that, that we have in this country. And I think it's easy for a lot of people to lose sight of that, especially during these times in 2021. Yeah. What do you think if I can ask you, what do you think? I mean, has, let's just go with, have you seen a change in your clients needs or questions or situations or mindsets and attitudes say in the past 16 months since the COVID issue hit? Um, you know, it, it is interesting hearing, we'll hear some off the wall comments sometimes like, is Biden going to take my money? Is my 401k gone? You know, like, <laughs> like, you know, they'll say certain things like that. It doesn't happen too often. Um, you know, there's, there's just a lot of anxiety. You know, a lot of people are worried about the stock market. You know, the stock market is at an all time high. Um, a lot of people don't have control over their money when it's in the stock market, right? You've got inflation that's increasing, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to go to the gas station and see how much gas is. And you go to the grocery store, like things are just getting more expensive. Um, taxes are, are going to be increasing here really soon. So I think there's just a, a lot of uncertainty um, in, in what's going on. And, and then unfortunately, a lot of a lot of division and in, uh, in, in what we see. Yeah. And are you someone I, I like to figure out for people or just learn and understand from people if, um, you know, where you fall in all this in terms of paying attention or engagement, are you someone who stays current on, on the events that's happening or do you just kind of shut it off and focus on your own stuff? Or are you like, well, I know the answer to this one already. You don't just seem like someone who's like all in studying conspiracy theories and all that stuff. Right. But there's, you know, it seems to be like a couple different levels. Like people are either obsessed to the point that they cannot remove themselves from it and it's impacting every breath they take. People pay attention and want to get actively engaged and stand up for what they believe in and support this, but they're still locked on their own stuff instead. And then there's people who just forget about everything happening in current events. For, don't even talk about it at all. Pretend none of it's happening and just focus full steam ahead in their own lanes. You know, which one of those are you closer to? Yeah. Yes. That's a good question. So, you know, because I own a company in the financial space, uh, I definitely stay on top of like, you know, economics and what's going on fiscally in, in this country, in this world. Um, so I'm a big uh, proponent of the Wall Street Journal. I get the Wall Street Journal delivered to my house every day. Um, I get this from my grandpa. I, I like to get the paper from my driveway, come inside and, and have the paper as I have breakfast or lunch and, and just read the paper. Um, I'm, I'm really not into watching the news uh, in, in the sense of, uh, you know, watching what's going on on, on mainstream media. Um, you know, I think we all can agree. They always are, are pitching uh, fear and, uh, you know, trying to divide the country. So, um, you know, to give some context, uh, I was actually brought up LDS. I was brought up as a Mormon. Um, stopped going to church when I was 16 years old. 
Um, I 100% believe in God. I'm spiritual. Um, I don't actively go to a, a church. My wife is, is Catholic though, and I support her uh, in, in that regard. Um, I'm really just pro-choice. You know, I, I'm an entrepreneur, so I, I want people to have freedom and, and, and the choice to, you know, um, make their own ship go where they want it to go. I mean, that's what makes America, America, right, is, is freedom. And uh, so if, if you want to get married to a certain person, um, that, that's on you. If you want to practice a certain religion, that, that, that's on you. Um, as long as you're not hurting somebody, right? Like that, that's the, the big difference. Right. And, that, and that's what's that's wild is like there's people that support pedophilia. Um, that's just like, man, it's pretty easy. Like, what's that's right? Pretty, what's wrong? Easy line like, to draw. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but like, it's just this screwed yeah. up world that we live in. And um, that's why um, the perspective I have is like, it starts with the parents. You know, my mom was a social worker in California, she's bilingual. So she was in some rough neighborhoods and she went into broken homes and took kids out of the home and sent them to foster homes, sent them to facilities that house kids because their parents are dead or in jail, right? So it's not a secret why we are where we are today because our homes are broken, right? Like there's a lot of homes that are just fundamentally not sound. Um, and, and that's where we got to get back to, right? Like if we can get back to just have raising our kids with, 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 with values and consistency and, and teaching them about commitment and, uh, you know, just being there for them, being present. Um, I, th I think a lot of the problems that we have today, we wouldn't have, but unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of broken homes that are out there. So it's just going to be a cycle that just perpetuates. Yeah. That's a, another whole show we could get into, right? All these topics, you can just go deeper and deeper and in, into them. But I got to ask you one of the last wrap up questions we like to ask all of our guests, because one of the main reasons that we started American Snippets years ago was when we first started to recognize the first cracks in what the illusion, I would say, the illusion of unity in this country, because it turns out we were never that unified, <laughs> I think, after, or maybe we were, but that's an, a whole other topic. But for me personally, you know, my husband died in Iraq and my family went through so much on behalf of America's core values and defending America's core values. You know, I, my kids were six, five, three, and one when my husband was killed. I had to raise them you know, on my own. And so when I just came out of all of my struggles to get my life together, it was when all the divisiveness really started to come forefront and be displayed. And for me, that set me back. It started to make me feel like people were giving up on the country that we'd given so much for and, and then turn their back on it and even kind of mock it and swear. And so I took that personally. So that's why we started that's one reason we started American Snippets. And a tenement of that was when we would insist that the American dream is alive and well. And we'd encourage people to go get it. We started studying people like you who were going to get their American dream and connect them with others. But we kept getting pushback, being told that the American dream is a fallacy. It doesn't exist. It only exists for people of one color or one socioeconomic status or whatever you have it. There was always a reason why the American dream was not available to everybody um, and so we understand that it looks different for everybody. We know, we explain that it's not one cookie cutter version of the American dream. It's not the white house, the picket fence, the car, the two weeks off. It looks different for everybody. And that the beauty of the American dream is that it is so unique to each and every one of us. And we all have that different idea of what it is. And that is why we like to ask our guests, you know, what is your own specific personally tailored version of the American dream? You know, just being able to to wake up and do the things that you want to do when you want to do them, right? It, it's so crazy to believe that so many of us take for granted, like just waking up, getting in your car, driving to the gym, coming home, maybe going to the grocery store, like going to church, wherever church you want to go to, um, you know, going to a business that you just started, the office, or maybe you work from home and you have your own business, um, I, we're, we're just so lucky to live where we live. Right. I mean, you look at countries in the middle East and Latin America and just so many different chaotic situations that are taking place. So, you know, to me, the, the American dream is just being able to be the captain of your own ship and, and call your own shots. And, uh, I think that's what makes this country amazing. Um, are there some issues with this country? I, absolutely. You know, praying to God that, uh, you know, we can get some, some solid leaders in place to make some good decisions, but 
end of the day, I don't care who's in the office. I don't care if it's Democrat, if it's Republican, like I'm an entrepreneur. Like I'm the one that is responsible for my success, my family's success. Um, so I try to just focus on, on what I can control and hopefully I can control as much as I can because that is the American dream. Other countries, you can only control so much. A lot of times it's very little. That is not a dream that I want to be a part of. So, you know, super grateful to have, you know, the American dream that, that we currently have as of 2021. Yeah, as of 2021, I like that. I like that you said that. Although I would say um, that it looks as though a lot of what you just referenced is no longer the case. People are told that they they are told that they will face jail. They are actually being arrested if they go open the business that they work so hard to build. People have actually been arrested and fined hundreds of thousands of dollars and threatened and ridiculed and shamed. So, to me, what you're saying sounds like the American dream of. 20, I don't know, 19 or, you know, right before all this insanity hit. And I'm not talking about the election itself. I'm talking about COVID and, and all the, all the stuff that has come down as a result of COVID. I feel like everything you mentioned is sort of under, it's being threatened right now. And uh, that's, but that's my own point of view. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know how you feel about that, but I'm going to replay this. Let's see, we'll replay this. We'll make a note on calendar re to replay your answer here in a year and see where your version of the American dream stands for America? Where, where would you think, where do you think, if, that's an interesting question. Where do you think if things continue on the path they appear now, do you think that what you just said will be the case a year from now or better than what you said or worse than what you said or just still the same? You know, I, I think as entrepreneurs, we have to look at what's on the horizon. And I'm not even looking at, because you bring up a good point. Um, I live in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, I was open the whole time during COVID. However, I was able to have limited people in my office and, and we worked remote. If I owned a restaurant, it'd be a different story, right? Um, how I'm looking at it though is behaviors are changing, right? So as an entrepreneur, if you are not looking at your business model and seeing, okay, how can I align my business to be aligned more with the behaviors that are changing with human beings. And a behavior that's changing is more people are using more technology to do business. People are doing things quicker, right? There's more drive-through, there's more takeout, right? Like if I was a, if I found a restaurant, like I would not be hundred percent reliant upon people just coming in my restaurant. Like I'd have to find other ways to monetize my business and, and create more value based off of the human behavior changing. Yes, the government could, could do some certain things and they would piss me off and I would have to make some certain choices. But, you know, I, I think as entrepreneurs, like we owe it to ourselves, like we have to look at what's on the horizon. And I, I truly believe that human behaviors are, are changing and we have to find more ways to have e-commerce in place, uh, more technology, more systems, more automation. Um, because if not, you know, th things are changing and you could be left behind. Yeah. Yes. I think, uh, I think that is a very accurate statement right there. Look, I'd love to really take about eight or nine of these points that we've discussed and spend like hours digging to each one of you. But sadly, our time has come to an end here for this particular episode anyway, but we're going to have to pick this up at some other point. In the meantime, Daniel, if people want to connect with you, find out about your company, get some information, insight from you on how to use the very key that they have within themselves to unlock that door to, to resolve some of the problems that they're facing right now. Where can they, where can they connect with you and get some information from you? Yeah. So danielblue.me, that's, that's the hub. Uh, it's Daniel blue, blue, like the color dot me. Um, that has a link to my book that's coming out next month. It's called blueprint to your best retirement. It talks about some of the strategies that, that Barb, you and I have I've talked about here today. Um, if you have a 401k from an old job or an IRA and you're like, I can access this penalty and tax-free. I didn't know that. Um, if that really interests you, there's a link uh, to my company, Quest Education, uh, on danielblue.me's website. Uh, so you can go to Quest Education's website, uh, my company, and then you can talk to one of my representatives where they can educate you on the process and, and see how we can best help you. Um, I also have a link to my course. It's called The Quest Way, How to Make Money Tax-Free. Uh, so if you're interested in, in learning uh, from a course, there's a lot of different modules to teach people how to make money tax-free, 
how to access their money, penalty and tax-free, things of that nature. And then also a link to my podcast, uh, How Winners Win. Um, made that podcast to where we can bring some value to people and teach people how uh, they can win more in their personal life, their financial life, their entrepreneurial life. Um, so that's a, a podcast we really enjoy doing. And, and Barb, hopefully you can come down to Las Vegas and uh, I'd love to do part two with you in, in our studio. Yeah, I'll make sure I schedule that properly this time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I wanted to talk about that podcast and your experience and your path on that too, because it is not an easy path to to create and launch and commit to and grow a podcast. But I guess we're just going to have to have you back here, Daniel, um, one other time, at least. If we can get you back to come back for part two and dig into all these other issues, that'd be awesome. But look, yeah. really, I thank you very much truly for taking the time to sit down today, especially I'll tell you people, I messed up today. I messed up royally today. I thought I was scheduling an interview with him, but I had actually scheduled, well, I'd scheduled an interview with him on snippets. So sometimes you make mistakes and you got to own it. And I think that's a big lesson. I felt flat today, but fortunately, Daniel understands that people are human and make mistakes. Not only that, but he rolled with it and jumped right on and, and did this interview that he was prepared to do in the first place, even though I was not necessarily as prepared as he was. But Daniel, I thank you so much. And thank you for giving me the chance to pick myself back up from it. That's truly what it's all about is understanding that you got to roll and bump with it and, and, and just rock with the mistakes you make and pick up and carry on. But for those of you who follow American Snippets, you'll know that I'm prone to do some kooky stuff inadvertently from time to time anyway. So no surprise to you, but big surprise to Daniel who took it like a champ and rolled with it. So thank you so very much, Daniel. I appreciate you. Oh, you crushed it today, Barb. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Thanks so much. All right, everyone, there you have it. That wraps up another episode of the American Sippets podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Look, each and every week, all that we ask is that if you get any value out of this episode or you enjoy the show, just share this podcast with a friend. Let people know what we're doing here. Share our podcast on social media. And most importantly, please leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. All these things help us grow our audience, get higher up there in the podcast charts. And most importantly, get these stories uh, and these people's stories out there in front of more people. And we would definitely appreciate your help and your support. Don't forget, you can go to americansippets.com forward slash newsletter. Check out the show notes of this episode with Daniel Blue. We do a little write-up on Daniel, and we also include some links there that you can use to follow Daniel on social and learn more about him and his business. Again, that's americansnippets.com forward slash newsletter. Don't forget, we have our great American syndicate. This is our community of freedom-loving, patriotic Americans who believe in our core values, principles, the American dream and who want to pursue more out of life. 50% of all member dues goes back to charities in form of grant checks from our community foundation to veterans, military families, police first responders, and at-risk youth and their families. So join us. We would love to see you involved. GreatAmericanSyndicate.com. And finally, we have our first ever event coming to Irving, Texas, January 7th and 8th. It's the Great American Summit. You are not going to want to miss this. Stay tuned. We'll have more information for you down the road uh, where you can uh, learn about getting tickets. And if you're interested in sponsoring the event, you can reach out to us, support at americansnippets.com. Thanks for being here today. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you really are. <music>